Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome, everyone, to The Spiritual Forum. So glad you're here. I just want to give a shout out to everybody out there who's listening. So glad you're with us and on the spiritual journey. This podcast is about faith and hope and awakening and just being on the spiritual path and listening to all sorts of people and all the different spiritual journeys they've been on, all the different ways they experience God, the divine source, and what they're doing in the world. So if you like this podcast, go to rate this podcast slash the spiritual forum and give me a positive rating and review uh, or email me at revcarolsaunders at gmail.com and let me know what you think. And I'm looking for people who have who are being love and action out there in the world. I know my guest today is one of those and I'm looking for more who are out there loving people, being love in the world and, and giving and being in service to the world. So if you're one of those people, you do not have to be an author. You do not have to be a famous person. You do not have to be have a modality or be a healer. Just email me and and let me know, because I, I pretty much talk to anybody who wants to tell their story. Let me tell you about my guest today. I'm so excited to have Vanetta Calloway with me. Uh, we connected months and months ago. I Actually, a year ago, after I did my first retreat is when we connected. Yep. And so uh, let me tell you a little bit about her. With over 20 years of teaching, mentoring, tutoring, and counseling experience, Vanetta Calloway is committed to empowering children and adults. She holds a BS in liberal arts with minors in behavioral science and biology, along with two master's degrees, one in secondary education and the other in special education. She began a doctoral program in nutritional healing at, with the College of Natural Health and Organizational Leadership with Liberty University. Vanetta is the founder of the Black Vegan Experience. The Black Vegan Experience is a multicultural educational conference, celebration of African-American ancestry, and networking event where Black professionals and practitioners address the medical concerns of the Black community and remove the stereotypes that are attached to veganism and Black culture. She's also the director of the Committee of Consciousness, which was formed to host this inaugural event and to support BIPOC, plant-based awareness and prevention, self-care, and better care for the earth. Welcome, Vanetta. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me today, Reverend Carol. I'm excited to share. I love sharing my testimony. That's basically all it is. And um, my little light, I'm just praying that it's shining everywhere where there's darkness, whether it be in a bowl that somebody shouldn't be eating or in a classroom <laughs> where the kids are cutting up. Um, and so ironically today, I'm, I'm we're talking in the school building where I'm working right now. It just makes sense to just stay here. Um, after the tornado warning was released and um, just connect with you and, and your listeners. So thank you for having me again. And I'll just jump right into um, my journey, my spiritual walk. I actually grew up in church. My grandmother um, is resting in power and peace, um, and her name was Bishop Judy Dale Johnson Jones. Um, she evangelized over 25 years and pastored over 15 years. And of course, growing up in church, when you have family members that are clergy, you become so many uh I guess, titles, you wear so many hats, you know, from Sunday school teacher to treasurer and secretary and <laughs> vacation Bible school leads. And I just felt like I was always serving and never really being poured into. Um, so after, you know, working under her, learning under her for my whole life, 
I branched out to go to a couple of other French churches that were closer to home because we always traveled an hour, at least one hour to my grandmother's church. Um, and even when I went to school away to college, I would drive the hour and a half um, one way just to be there and support her. Um, but again, we have to be poured into so we can continue to pour out. And I just love the opportunity to connect with people that did not look like me. And um, actually in my home church in Salem, we were the only black family that went for quite a while and I did not care. Um, I felt the love through the doors like firsthand. And I feel like that is one of the pieces that, that we miss so much is the interconnectedness between us as humans. And um, I love getting to know my fellow brothers and sisters, their different likes, interests, and how their spiritual journey began. And that was where I had my first mission assignment where I got to travel out of the area. I got to go to um, do some relief work with Hurricane Katrina and um, meet other people that were centered in faith and just see more of the world and be the body of Christ. And that wasn't my first opportunity. It's definitely not going to be my last, um, but I definitely have been walking this thing out probably since I was about 12 years old. Um, I'll never forget um, just being in a service that was just so spirit filled and amazing that I just reeled with what they say that that whole um, what is it called when you have a, a hangover? I had a spiritual oh. hangover for days. Like I've I've never really been drunk. I felt like that was just not my path. I came from a back background with family members who had drug and alcohol issues. So that was not for me. I'll just be a high on Jesus. And I tell people all the time, I don't need that other stuff. I'm high on life. Um, <laughs> and that's just been, it's just been my walk, but I'll tell you, it was amazing. And even though I was tempted right after, I just knew that I was set apart. Um, did not understand that just because we're believers that we were not going to have an easy life that we wouldn't still be attacked, whether it be inside our home, outside our home, friends, family. But again, you know, this whole life walk has been amazing. I thank God for the trials, you know, for the tribulations, because it has grown me. Um, I've had the pleasure of leading, you know, students into the prayer of salvation. When I taught at private Christian school, I've had the pleasure of leading people to Christ in my everyday walk or praying for them, just being in a grocery store, being available. That's all God calls us to do is to be available because he equips those whom he sends. And it took me a while to catch on to that too. Um, did some work at the Pregnancy Health Center. And I believe that was the first place that I felt like I learned that I can let go. Um, I guess, because when you grow up in certain environments, it's important to see that you made a difference. Mm -hmm. And that was where I got stuck. It's like, I, I don't get to see these ladies after they leave here or someone that I may have prayed for, or someone I may have, you know, taken something to fed or, or whatever the case may be offered them a night at our home. Um, and, you know, I remembered our director at the time, uh, Carla saying, Vanetta, you have to remember, we're not responsible for the results, only sowing the seeds. And that has forever stuck with me. And, and even in my head, when I felt like I couldn't be the one to lead them in the prayer of salvation, um, to just use my words, you know, don't think about other people and how they speak and how they lead, you know, you, you use the resources that God has already provided you. And it just became a natural conversation, which is what it should be in the first place. We shouldn't have scripts to pray for those. We shouldn't have scripts to lead them to Jesus. We should not have scripts just to have a conversation. It should be heartfelt and it should come from our authentic selves. And, um, been serving the Lord my whole life. I think uh, <laughs> funny story, because I don't know how, how much I'm supposed to gab uh, or excuse me, witness. But um, <laughs> I remember 
um, my faith walk started really, really young. And it began with a Cabbage Patch doll. Um, our pastor at the time, years ago, was uh, Bishop Boysall, and uh, he was from Max Meadows, Virginia. We were country churches. Um, they still had an outhouse like out there. It was just it's so fun. And um, he asked for a prayer. He did an altar call. He asked for a prayer from all the folk in the church house. And I remembered that there was a Cabbage Patch doll I wanted at Hills Department Store. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Hills. It's old school, kind of like Kmart on this on this east side of the world. Um, okay. And um, they had it all, you know, it was. I remember the display like it was yesterday. And my mom had told me she couldn't get me one because they were really expensive when they first came out, $40 or $50. And I said, well, I want this Cabbage Patch doll. So when he said who wants, who had a need, I got in line for prayer. And they said, well, what did you want? He, I said, I'm in line to stand for this Cabbage Patch doll. And he, I remember him saying, my, 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 do y'all know what she came up here for? So anyway, I asked for the Cabbage Patch doll. And, you know, I've learned since then that Santa Claus is, has a different um, title in different homes. And so I don't want to, you know, spoil or spoil anything for young people that might be listening. But um, I, I knew that I may not get one for Christmas. And my mom was very honest with me and told me that she did not have it. And um, I think this was, it was way before my stepdad passed away, but it was just some things that, you know, families were, were going through. It was back in the eighties and mm-hmm. um, she filled out a sweepstakes. And I remember going back to testify, quote unquote, as my little six-year-old self that I didn't get one Cabbage Patch doll. I got two. <laughs> <gasps> oh my. And I'll tell you, um, I had faith then. And I still have faith. I believe the same way then as I do now. Probably a little, probably in the eyes of so many, like naive, not with naivety. But I, that's just my heart. That's what I've experienced. That's what I learned. My grandmother taught me how to love people. My grandma taught me about faith. She taught me about holding on and persevering. And my six-year-old self, I believe that if God said He could do something that I can't do, He could. And so my mom won a Cabbage Patch doll for me, and she also had the money to buy one. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. And just imagine how much that catapulted my faith at a young age. Like, I just knew God could do anything and that He answers children's prayers. And so was just, that was just fun for me, Yes, So I love that. I yeah. I I always tell my I always tell people. You know. I mean, Santa Claus is a spirit of giving. It's a spirit of the spirit of Christmas, and so it's real. <laughs> the, the spirit of God is real in this whole giving of Christmas. Yeah. yeah. But did you ever have um, uh, um, did you ever have any kind of loss in faith? You seem like a person that is so rooted in love and faith. And I know a lot of people who are pastor's children who had lots of questions or left the church or rebelled against the church and all of that, but it seems like you may not have. I mean, I, I was an adolescent growing up in church, and so there were things that I would tell another young ladies to stay away from that I actually had migrated to myself. Like I became a teenage parent. Um, but I also had a mom that, um, well, my stepdad passed away and I, my mother ended up on drugs. And so, mm-hmm. um, we, we were not sheltered and we had exposure to things that I, you, a lot of people would not believe or understand. And I do remember there were so many times where I was like, if there's really a God, why are you allowing this to happen to us? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Why isn't my mom home? We wouldn't see her for days at a time. And I remember praying a prayer that I, I prayed for God to take her life while she was 
back in the church if that mm. was going to keep her, you know, on the path to heaven. Because I, I know and understand the Bible and what He calls us to do. And that was one of my prayers as a young person. Like one, it was going to remove us from this pain of the unknown. It was going to put us in a place where we would be protected and all of our utilities would be on and, you know, food would be in the refrigerator. And then I had to be reminded. Um, and, I, you know, you never know when God sends you those winks. It's just that he'll re- remind you of them um, or what he's already shared in his word or through others or situations. And I remember I've seen so many people in my years of, you know, attending church that would get in the prayer line over. It would be every Sunday service, every Wednesday service. And a lot of times that was, my mom was one of those people. And I remember talking to God about it. And it was like, well, why in the world are you back in the line? If you were just in the line, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the Lord had to remind me that's none of my business. Mm-hmm. That's none of my business, wherever they are, that's their walk, you know? Mm-hmm. And I had to learn how to, again, let go because I'm not in control. And again, thank God that they're taking that stand. They're showing the courage to come before, you know, basically people watching them and judging them to ask God for what they need and, and have an intercessor there. And so um, I, I feel like it waned a little bit during those times, but um, also that, you know, God is faithful because my mother has been clean. She has not um used crack cocaine for over 20 years, as far as I know, and has been um, a pillar in the community. She's a little bit of a gossip at times. I'm sure it'll get back to her somewhere. (laughs) Um, But she's always been known as Sister Cricket, and she's always, always ready to pray. I feel like to myself, she probably is, has a song of prayer more than I do because um, she just does this is what she likes to, she loves to pray. But um, other than that, I really, I can't really say it, Wayne. I will say that I got frustrated with God through these experiences as an event organizer and nonprofit director. I felt like there, why in the world am I feeling belittled and and embarrassed and ashamed? I felt like I was begging for monetary support and for people to even just stand with me and help spread the word because obviously, you know, marketing is expensive and it it takes a lot to get the word Mm -hmm. out unless we're doing something to dishonor, you know, our names and our, you know, our legacies. And, and, and again, it's like, Oh God, why is it so hard just to, to love people and, and empower them? And cause we have a, an enemy that works full time. He never sleeps and um, he's at his job. And so we have to just continue to stay the course, even when it means we have a day where we just cry out our prayers and that's okay. I love your steadfast faith, and I love that you're loving the world. It's so obvious. Before we got on, you were telling me that you were um, you, you start the day by telling people that it's going to be a good day. <laughs> yes, it's a good day. They're, oh, it's a great day. Every day you wake up, it's a great day. And it's like, dang, well, what do you say to that? It's a great day. Yep, sure is. <laughs> you can tell the people that need to hear it, and then those that are like, oh, my gosh, here she comes. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't mess with my bad day. I want to have a bad day. I'm trying to be a great day. Yeah, it is it is true. We do make it we make it the good day. And as long as we're open to uh, open to the goodness of the day, we'll see the goodness of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And I believe so, I um learned this a while back, but good morning is a derivative of God morning. Which again, you know, uh, the, the yeah. day that the Lord has made, I will be glad, I'll be rejoicing it. So the day belongs to God. He He's the one that created it. So if we give back the glory and honor to him for us waking up because we didn't have to, then of course, then your line, your thoughts are aligned with life, you know. So 
but that can spin off into a whole lot more philosophy. So yeah, we could we could we could go off over there for a while. I I want to come to come around to the the Black Vivian experience and have you kind of explain what that is and how you were inspired to to do that and what what your what your goal is or what how spirit is leading you in that. Wow. So um, I'll say. I love telling the story from the beginning because it gives me my timeline. I think in pictures is what I was told. So the whole um, event was born over a Vitamix demonstration in Costco. Um, my my youngest son was having um, oral surgery, major oral surgery. And of course, I couldn't let him not have his nourishment. So we were going to get the Mac Daddy of all blenders, the Vitamix. And mm. we were in Costco. And as we were centered around this Vitamix demonstration being provided to from one of the, you know, the, the demo folk, um, I engaged in conversation with um, a young lady who was an RN and met her husband, who was a naturopathic physician. Um, my daughter was present, who was a nutritionist. Here I am a teacher. And she's sharing about the fact that her, her, um, her trainer and her doctor were all plant-based and they were black women. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, like, I really thought this was just me and my whole journey with uh, veganism started with the Daniel fast, which even a lot of believers don't know about, even though it's centered mm. on Daniel and the Bible. And, you know, we could talk about that in, in a backtrack but moment, but um, so we were engaged in this conversation. I had heard about some hospital led conferences, plant-based conferences that had happened in our area or, you know, near to that I had not been able to participate in because they were usually held in September. And in September, I'm in the classroom. And so um, when I had met with this young lady and her husband, I had asked them, had he attended? And then they said, yes. I'm like, well, has it become diverse? Because I kind of felt like it had not been based on the people who had initially shared it with me. Actually, someone shopping at Whole Foods um, that did not look like me, but I was really appreciative of the information. Um, and when she told me that it had not changed, and I think the first time I heard about it was four or five years before that moment, it was like, wow, that's really discouraging with the fact that health disparities plague black and brown communities mm -hmm. at the rate that they do. And I said, well, if they want to invite us to the conference, we'll create our own. And during that conversation, that's kind of like where it was. Yes, let's just do our own. And I didn't even realize the miracle in and of itself from November, like literally the week before Thanksgiving to March 14th, we were ready to go. Wow. Like I, because I didn't even know, like there's supposed to be this timeline to put together a conference and, you know, to do the budgeting, to do the marketing, to get your speakers and entertain. I had no idea. I was just going by faith. When I spoke it, I immediately saw the vision for it and how God wanted it to look. And it's so, it's so cool, you know, to see what it's supposed to look like and know that we haven't even scratched the surface of where it's going. But, you know, everybody kept asking me and it's so frustrating. Not just for me, but for them. It's like, what do you need me to do? What are we supposed to be doing? And it's like, I don't know. I can't tell you. I have to show you. I have to see it. And so finally, like we got down to the wire maybe the week before. And it's like, what is this supposed to look like? Where are the seats going? Where? And so when you look at it from the stage, everything is in a horseshoe shape because it's like a hug your arms encircling someone. And so that's just what I felt. It's, a, it's about togetherness. It's about empowerment. Of course, it's networking. Of course, we're going to make sure our communities are educated on how they can improve their health through vegan lifestyles. Um, but at the same time, you are not going to reach anybody by beating them over the head about what they're doing or not doing. It's all with love. And so I hope and always believe that that's the first thing that they feel is the love that is exuding from our hearts about reaching them and, and letting them know that they are cared about and not forgotten because a lot of communities do feel that way because they're not intentionally sought out. 
Um, and so, um, so that, that was born. And so a lot of people would then ask me, wow, are you sure you want to call it the black being experience? A lot of people are going to feel excluded. And I'm like, well, the focus is to reach people that have been excluded. It is not exclusive to anyone else. It's just, we're going to make sure that we are targeting these communities that need that support. The black and Hispanic communities that are dying at ridiculous rates from things that they could, they could prevent if they changed their diet um, and their lifestyles. And so I, I always give this example, Reverend Karen, uh, Carol, sorry, about, you know, the black vegan experience, because again, people would say, well, why can't you just call it the vegan experience? I said, wow. And it was my neighbor and I love her life. And she, I said, close your eyes. And she was like, okay. I said, think of the word veganism. And she was like, okay. I said, who do you see? She was like, oh, uh-huh. mainstream America is growing now. But when you heard veganism three, four years ago, you didn't see a black woman with locks. You would think of wealthy white women most of the time. You think of the yoga, you think of, you know, the lifestyle that kind of goes with that. You didn't think that's something you could access or was for you. That's not something that's talked about in our culture. You know, I never went to a yoga class until I heard someone else um, talk about it and they invited me and she was Indian and it was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, um, so again, if you are trying to reach communities who, who because of the social and racial constructs in the United States, do not feel something pertains to them, then you have to get their attention. And you think about a, a flashing billboard sign um, off the highway, one of your major highways, the 10, I think it's that way. And so you're going down the highway and you see an exit, like right past the billboard. It says the vegan experience this way. If you are not connected to mainstream America or anything like our Indian friends who are to participate in mostly vegetarian lifestyles, you're going to keep on down the highway and you still might not stop because you're not interested in it. It's not your, your group of people. Um, but if you saw a sign that said, especially all you black and Hispanic folks, don't keep on going. Natives too. The black vegan experience this way. What? Black people are vegan? What's the black vegan? Well, that's interesting. Let me go ahead and yeah, I'm going to get off the exit. Well, if you're making your way towards this event and you begin to hear the sounds and you begin to smell the flavors and you begin to see the people and they're having a good time, it looks good, it smells good, it's probably going to taste good and be an amazing experience. You might not only grab a ticket and have a seat, but you might tell a couple more people to come and join you and have the most amazing time and organically learn something that empowers you to go out and make an informed choice about your future life. And that is what it's all about. (laughs) Yeah. So um, when did you become vegan? Um, It's gone on four years, August, let's see, four years this coming August. And, And what caused you to go vegan? Well, it started with the Daniel Fast. I was teaching at a private Christian school and I could not understand why I could not make the, the leaders there happy. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I went through some physical issues with anxiety, panic attacks, because I was just trying to, to do it the right way. When I thought of a Christian school, I'm thinking about discipline and Bible and and structured disciples have to be disciplined and it just wasn't adding up to me. And so um, I, I wasn't doing well. And I was like, God, I have no idea what is happening. And, you know, 
I had faked a lot of fasts in my past. <laughs> growing up in church, and I think we all learned how to fake a fast. Yeah, I'm going to fast Brussels sprouts this week. You know, that is what I'm giving up. No, and daggone, well, you do not eat Brussels sprouts. But um, so I like I faked the food fast in my past. And I remembered our pastor had talked about it. Um, and I did not know it was as big as it was and how collective it had become at the beginning of the year for most churches. But I remembered our pastor talking about it for once. And I probably ignored it in the past because it's like I had a relationship with bacon. I ain't fooling with that. But that's where it was. It was like I did not hear it. Right. Because it didn't pertain to my needs at that time. But while I was teaching at this school and I was doing my best to honor God and I wanted to reach these young people for Jesus um, and be the example that I felt like they need to see lived out. I said, God, what else is it that I can do? Like I have done everything I can besides compromise who I am. And, you know, I began to Daniel fast with that in mind. Like I am seeking you. I'm giving up all those idols. I'm coming to you alone. And I know in your word, you say some things will only come through fasting and prayer. And um, I understand now why that is so, because your whole focus, your whole, your, all of your intentions are placed on God, no distractions. And, and, and it's also you're sacrificing something for him to reveal something to you that is precious and a secret to everyone else, if you will, because there's so much revealed knowledge that came from that. And during that time period, the Lord revealed to me that there, I would never receive an answer from them. And I would never understand from that perspective because what I was fighting against was not flesh and blood. It was spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And I immediately had peace as soon as he spoke that to me. And um, we kind of like, you know, at the end of the fast and all those things came and it was bittersweet because it's like, oh, can't wait to get back. You abstain from alcohol. You abstain from bread. You abstain from all, you know, the meat that you consumed. And it was and sugar. So it was like, wow, like this, this is not just a vegan. This is this is going to be the most disciplined eating you ever had. Healthy vegan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> raw, raw, raw for the most of, most part. And so um, I did not resume eating the things that I ate um, in a <laughs> in a gradual process. I just kind of went all in and kind of forgot that our digestive tract was a funnel. And so what happens when you put too much in the funnel, it gets stuck or it pours up the side. And I thought I was going to end up in the emergency room and my poor husband, <laughs> I called him and I said, babe, I'm, I'm afraid I, I'm not going to be able to, to go to the bathroom. And he was like, I love you. And I will come in there if I have to, but I will not talk to you for a few days. <laughs> it's just like, well, I guess that's fair. But it all worked out, but I ended up um, suffering from rectal bleeding and internal hemorrhoids for a whole year, like the rest of that year. And obviously anybody could just imagine how horrific that was, just just not wanting to go when you already had issues and going. And so I had already contacted a GI doctor. I had a, a surgery scheduled and Daniel Fast started before the surgery date. And we were on it. Like we had committed to doing this every year, at least my daughter and myself. I can't say the whole household did it with us. Um, but a few days in, I was like, oh, okay. That's not as uncomfortable. And a few more days in, it was like, oh my goodness, everything is da da da. And it's like, you just hear that whole, the VA knock from heaven, like the Veneta, this is for you. And it was like, mm. oh. <laughs> and so since then it's been my path. And, um, we were, well, we were vegetarian from that point on. And then I think Tabitha Brown had, had done a vegan challenge that August. And my daughter was like, mom, we just need to go ahead and just do it all the way. Cause I don't think I can eat cheese anymore anyway. So we might as well just jump wow. on it while we have that support. And wow. 
So, so it it sounds like your health got back in a good place, yes. and yeah, yes, absolutely in a great place. And I was one of those folk. I still suffer from um, or overcome um, iron deficiency anemia. It had nothing to do with me changing my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I was that way probably from my origin. I don't know, um, but that and my energy source, and I also had uh, major um, GI surgery in two thousand. 12. So I already had things I was combating with, you know, um, what do they call it? The the malnourishment or deficiencies that come from having a a reduced stomach. But after this, I did not have to struggle the way that I had struggled. And I enjoyed, I feel like God allowed me to co-create with him when it was these different dishes and, you know, foods. And then like people would just be drawn to us while we were doing our grocery shopping. And even to the students who I was teaching, like they were just so intrigued about what it was that we were trying that day and how it tasted. And of course, I didn't have the same restrictions there that I would do in a public school. So I got to share everything that I was fixing. And um, it was just really, really an amazing experience. And I'm so thankful one, that God empowered me to do that and gave me the mindset to um, go at it with everything I have. But now I get to teach other people about it and how powerful it can be in their life. Yeah. And you're a good teacher. I've, I've participated in one of your seminars where you you taught us. <laughs> and it's like, wow, she's a good teacher. I, I would love for you to teach anybody I know. You really are good. Um, so what is your motivation? Is your motivation mostly health or is it spiritual? Um, or is it biblical um, in terms of the vegan thing? And then also, what is your what is your motivation for the Black vegan experience? So my motivation, I think overall, is is going to be you know it's, it's spirit led. You know, God is our source. Even before um, we transitioned to veganism, I took taking care of the planet that I could control very seriously. My children grew up with the four bins by the back door, paper, plastic, tin, and glass. Like it was not, we're going to be wasteful. You know, those that we did not litter. Like I taught, because, you know, again, that reveal knowledge that God gives you. Um, I remember that was a, a time where I was like, you know, people, my, it was with my kids or someone asked me, well, what's the big deal about littering anyway? Um, and it was basically when God gave Adam control of the garden of the earth, It was to have dominion and to care for it. So we are supposed to be good stewards while we're here. This does not belong to us. Um, And we're supposed to leave it better than we found it. But again, uh, so many of us have fallen away from Christ that it's just, it's just get whatever you can get, how you can get it. And unfortunately, until he comes back, you know, we won't see some changes, but I can do what I can do. And I can teach those in my area of influence, you know, that, that's the best thing to do. Take care of our animal friends as best you can. Take care of the earth as best you can. You control your environment and make sure that you're ironing God in everything that you do. Um, and so our connection to you know all things, God should be the same reflection. Even to, I, I remember there was one time that I was on my way home and we have a lot of trees. We live in a really wooded, beautiful subdivision. And there was this little squirrel that just kept running in front of the car, like, move, friend. And I hit him and I hit the bump and it was like, oh, well, he doesn't have a soul. And immediately God chastised me and was like, but you did not create him. Oh, wow. And I was like, sorry, dad, never again. Wow. That's that that's really profound. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I I, I'm, I'm fascinated by uh, Christians who don't see the soul in the animal and who look at 
God gave us all of this for us to just enjoy. And and there's I there's a lot of Christians that just cannot see that that the garden <laughs> mm-hmm. was we were in harmony. Mm-hmm. And they focus on like after Noah and after the flood, God allowed people to have meat. And so they focus on, well, God gave the gave us meat. And it's like, well, that's not that's not the original intention mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. They were the sacrifice for us. You yeah. Know? And even if you can doesn't mean that you should. Exactly. Exactly. Even if you can, it doesn't mean that you should. And everything is designed perfectly. Our bodies are designed to eat life, you know, not death. And um, and it's right there. But it it is interesting. I have I have most, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of challenges with with strong Christians who are convinced that these animals are here for us. And I go, I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. Mm. So anyway. There's a scripture in there that um, and I have to find it because I have not read it in a long time, but it's once you bless your food that it that it's covered, basically. Um, but mm-hmm. again, can I say that I read the context around it, around the whole thing? Probably not as much. I would like to go back and study that to make sure that when I am out and about sharing that I am accurate in however God was speaking to us. Yeah. Well, let me know when you find that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll look into that too. So, so then you're taking your personal experience from the Daniel fast and your experience with your health and the the earth and how God is leading you. Did God then just um, give you the idea to create the Black Vegan Experience? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Like as soon as I spoke the words out loud, He gave me the image for the whole event. So I saw it from mm. the state. I saw the way the people were going to be positioned, the way our vendors were going to be, you know, accessing the space, um, having the, the medical component of um, health assessments done on site, you know, for those that are in the communities. You, you, well, my godfather had a heart attack. He did not know he had um, diabetes. And my godfather doesn't look like me. He has blue eyes and brown hair. I think most of it's right now. But Mm. again, you know, I care about him just as much as I would anyone else. And when I thought about that, I was like, wow, I'm so glad. Even though we have not been able to exact it the way that I have the vision for it, we're working on it. We're still growing towards that. So our patrons would come and whether or not they have bought a ticket or not, they get to have a health assessment by either our medical doctor or a medical student, um, a medical assistant, someone in the medical field that can say, take this form with you, you know, if, especially if they have some numbers that are saying you're a borderline stroke or heart attack situation, take this to the free clinic or crossover clinic or whatever it is that you can go to for some free health care if you don't have a, a health care provider and get yourself checked on, you know, take care of you. Self-care is important, but a lot of us were not taught what self-care meant mm-hmm. um, and how you maintain it once you, uh, you know, achieve it. And so that's a big deal to me. And again, making sure that people see the, the power in all of that. Having a blood mobile, um, you know, I, I learned a long time ago, the cystic fibrosis plagues, you know, our, our white friends and um, sickle cell anemia plagues our black friends. And so it's like, well, they still need help. You know, um, I can't donate a lung right now, but if I had to, I would, but, you know, but blood, even though I'm anemic, I feel like there are times where I could have, have done better with that before I got, you know, my levels got, um, I got, I guess a little bit worse as I got older, but now, but the, the intake of the different, you know, um, nutrition nutrients that come from the plant 
life. It's been different. So even though I might be low, I still have my energy and, and things like that. And it balances out eventually. But uh, to say that the blood mobile was supposed to be there so that I could attend to the need of those that need blood. So the blood drives have gone, then there's no blood for people to even for the Red Cross to donate in so many communities because of COVID people were inside. They were Mm -hmm. afraid to come out. They were told to stay inside and protect themselves. And now all of our friends and families out there that need blood don't have it available to them. You could be saving lives by donating to those um, that have sickle cell. So again, that's an issue in the black community we needed to raise. So guess what Veneta was trying to do? Have the blood mobile on site to go along with the health assessments. Has it happened yet? No, but okay. I'm still going to keep pushing. I'm still going to keep pushing that it takes place because it's important. Okay, so the Black Vegan Experience is is an event. Is that correct? It is an event, and so what it's supposed to look like, Reverend Carol, is a marriage between a cookout, family reunion, and a um, conference, a mini conference. Uh-huh. So you don't want to overburden people. Like I, I'm in the classroom every day. You can tell when you have that glaze overlooked that. I've lost them. Right. And so for someone that's new to this information, we don't want to lose them. You know, we want it to be just enough for them to feel like they have enough information to go either research it further or to take a next step. And so that's why it's a mini educational conference married to a vegan festival. But we want everyone to feel like their family. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have a health assessment, you have food, Absolutely, and you have like, and then you have some like a mini conference. You have speakers or something like yes. that. Or education so we have, going you know, on. Yes, we have the science behind it. Like Dr. Mills has um, been an amazing, you know, part of the event. Um, other plant-based physicians. We have other speakers, producers. Um, Jasmine Leva. We have the cooking demos. We have the food samples. We have the vendors, uh, plant-based, and then those who are just that have other wares that are eco-friendly, um, animal-free. Um, and um, let's see the connectedness. Let's see um, services. You know, those that let you have young people. The obesity level has increased because so many are inside. They're not playing outdoors. So now we have, you know, youth centers or um, someone that has a dance club or different organizations that come together, nonprofit and otherwise, who can offer services to empower families, health, wellness, um, wealth training. Like, again, um, I published a coloring book in the spring of this year called My Color is Coconut, and it was written in the memory of my friends who lost their children in a house fire last year. So once the Black Vegan Experience mm-hmm. was launched, God came back to my heart and was like, hey, Vanetta, we got this going. So now let's talk about our biracial families. They're not going to connect to being white or being Black because they're a combination of both. Let's make sure that they know that they're invited and that they're just as you know important. And so I had invited all of my students that I had that year to come participate in the showcase. And COVID happened. And then after COVID, when we tried to do the relaunch, they were not comfortable coming out so soon for the relaunch. Um, and so my friends who happened to be an interracial couple lost their children. And, you know, I went to visit with them during, you know, this time of loss before the funeral service. And of course, you want it to be as positive as you can. You, there are no words that you really can find to console someone who loses a child, um, small children, period. And so, you know, God gave me the words. <laughs> um, and during that time, she shared a story about her baby girl, Anaya, and it was about her her shade, her, her, her color, her skin color. And she said that whenever people would ask her what color she was, she would say, my color is coconut. 
And they would try to correct her and tell her that, no, your color is caramel or it's, it's cream. And she say, no, my color is coconut because coconuts don't have a color. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like how profound. All oh, that wow. one little sentence is saying, I don't have to identify. I don't have to meet your standard. I don't have to choose. I'm going to be something totally unexpected and still amazing and different. It was just so much. She was already having sent and. They just didn't know, you know, because yeah. nobody wants an advanced, you know, yeah. yeah, nobody was heaven would be heaven without children. You just don't want it to be yours. And so yeah. I said, but right, you know, right. when we get there, we get to play with them. Like how cool they'll be. Kids <laughs> so yeah, my colors coconut is a story that also highlights that. And again, the togetherness of the blended families, it was just probably 80% of the world now, you know, so many families are blended mm-hmm. from different walks and um, loving on people and teaching them about the obviously preparedness for the end of our life too, because so many people don't have insurance because they're not sick or they're not old. And again, that's a, again about, you know, prosperity building is to make sure that those things are in place. So think about a full service event. And that's what we are trying to offer to everyone. So and is it like something, well, when is it? When, what is it um, a certain so, time of year? Yes. So the, the vision for the event was to be um, March, June, uh, September, and then November, because it was supposed to be a reflection of the seasons of life that we go through. And then things change and that's fine too. But our next event is going to be in June of 2023. Since the vision was born in Virginia, that's always going to be our launching area. Uh, we're hoping it's going to be uh, the weekend of Juneteenth, um, which will be June 17th. And then um, obviously just like salvation, you're supposed to go into the highways and byways and compel men to come unto him. And that is what we're doing with the event as well as God provides. So we've had the event, um, we've hosted it in Orlando, we've hosted it in Houston, we've hosted it in North Carolina, and we had hoped to take it to, to, um, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, to restore some hope and bring some economic, you know, resources, um, with, through the event and the vendors and, and situations and also in Atlanta. Um, but because of, so many different situations. We had to postpone it until next year. So we're hoping for the relaunch of those. And again, you can't pour from empty cups. And we had to make sure that we came packing, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so when is it going to be um, in 2023? Where is it going to be? I mean, um, so in 2023, it should be in Richmond, Virginia for June 17th. So that would be September 16th for okay. Tulsa, Oklahoma. All right. Is there one in November yet set? And the one for November would be fall it would fall on veterans day november 11th do you have a place we are hoping it will be spelman university i try to connect to churches and colleges i'm trying to focus on hbcus because clearly the message is to spread there and let it go abroad um and sometimes i have pushed back and sometimes i have open arms i've had a couple of venues that were donated but it, it's been sticky so i don't have a space as of yet confirmed we're hoping one of those schools there um i reached out to clark atlanta as well some some other you know other schools that had not been more well-known. Um, yeah. One in Tulsa, the Greenwood Cultural Center. I'm not sure how many of your listeners have heard of the race massacre that happened there. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I just felt extremely led to go there. Right. Right. And, I get, that's why I was thinking while you point, you pointed take, that one. I take some buses, you know, full of people that are ready to come and support. And some of the, the locals that I've connected to have said so many people have moved away because they have not been able to um, rebuild and have the economics there that they needed to support themselves and their families. And so we want to be 
a catalyst for that change there. So, let them so you take, I mean, it, it's, you, you take your ideas and you, you find connections in these different cities and they may or may not be vegan or are they? I mean, I, so this nope, is really interesting. Some of them to me. are, some of them not. But in the conversations when I'm, you know, connecting with the council members or someone that heads up one of these organizations, guess what they're going to hear about? They're going to hear about veganism. They're going to hear about why I want to come there. They're going to hear my story. So arbitrarily, it's like, oh, now they're being educated. Some of them may go grab something that's vegan. And I think the um, the gentleman that was in charge of one of the centers that we were going to. He had heard of Slutty Vegan, but he'd never eaten there before. So guess what? He caught a plane the following weekend to go get some, some of that food. <laughs> yeah. And if people have to see the food, this food is beautiful. They have the food. It really tastes good. And, yeah. you know, it's it's not really about converting them, but it's certainly about, I'm sure, at least exposing them to that and, and giving exactly. them education so exactly. they can make a choice. That is, that's who I am. I'm an educator. So, and even to my students, um, before I was... Um, fashioned in my own classroom with my own set of students. I kind of move around the school as a sub, you know, and even still we have, you know, this teacher shortages. So a lot of us are covering other folks' classes that we wouldn't ordinarily ordinarily cover. So whenever I go into a classroom, just because I feel like we should always have a greeting and an introduction anyway. Um, and I don't think a lot of times that happens with our young people. And that's where you have the rifts with relationships mm-hmm. that impede learning. I'm going to do the opposite. Good morning. I'm Mrs. Callaway. If you've never heard about me before, I have three fun facts I want to share. One, I'm vegan. Two, military. And three, I'm a published author. Now, how many friends in here have friends or family that are vegan or vegetarian? And I'm looking, oh my gosh, what? who are they? What do they do? How long are they vegan? And so most of the time I'm going to have at least five or six kids share that. And if not, I'm, do you know what veganism means? Well, this is what it means. And I don't go too far into that because I don't want to ever seem manipulative. And I say, right. if you guys have questions, you can follow my social media pages. I cannot follow you back until you're an adult. You know, you're 18 years old, graduate from high school, but you are welcome to join my show that I do on Tuesday nights called Try Tuesday. If you try an impossible burger or anything fun over this week and you know, want to come talk about it. And then sometimes, you know, even to my parent teacher conferences, I had some uh, one of my parents say, I've been wanting to try to do more plant based. I've been, you know, and it's like, we just have these opportunities that are provided to us once we put that out there into the atmosphere. This is what we want to do. And again, I always tell the kids, I'm not here to convince you to go vegan. I'm here to educate you so you can make that informed choice later in life if that's what you want. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Now, the, um, I, I'm, I know you're familiar with the movie. I think it's called "They're Trying to Kill Us." Yes, uh, about the food deserts. Yes. Yeah, does that come? Is that is that something that you're also working with? Oh, so yes. So uh, Jasmine Leva is the producer of The Invisible Vegan, and John Lewis is the producer of um, "They're Trying to Kill Us." So I have connected to both of them. As you know, to have speakers, you do have to have the funds to cover their lodging mm-hmm. and travel expenses, which. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we don't have that. And it's not that we we are hoping that someone has a connection to a corporate sponsor that hears our heart um, and mm-hmm, is willing mm-hmm. to help support us in a way that is God size. I'll just say it like that. Because mm-hmm. if I can do it in my own strength, then it's not God size. So I want it to be God size. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, so I have talked to John. Uh, we had some tentative dates set. And then, of course, when we had a postpone, um, we have to get back on the calendar for next year. But um Wherever you find a food desert, Reverend Carol, you're going to find a book desert. And that was actually brought to my remembrance through a teacher conference. 
Um, I had brought that up, um, talking about the food justice, obviously, because that connects to me, food justice, is, you know, all the things that we we are doing and empowering people through. And it was like, that makes so much sense, the Veneta, mm-hmm. where you find a food desert, you will find a book desert. So just imagine this uh, food truck that has the Black Vegan Experience or Community Consciousness on it, because it's not just about the large events. The large event is to cover expenses for the whole year. We just have not been able to do that just yet. Um, we need to raise at least $100,000 a year to do four consecutive events. But on the perimeters of those larger wow. events, here we are. Um, I just did an outreach last Saturday, um, and it was a connection to a church called Liberation Church in the Richmond, Virginia area. Amazing um, organization out there making a difference. Not that my church, Destination Church, is doing their thing too, um, but they have a different um, they have different forms of outreaches that I can connect to differently because of my schedule and, and those opportunities. So I cannot say it's not a coincidence because nothing in life is a coincidence. I believe everything is is divine. Um, so we were not able to have our event at the Flying Squirrel Stadium this past year because of the threat of thunderstorms. Well, I was able to connect with Liberation Church because I had gone there as a, a vendor to share about my nonprofit for some concert they were having that I don't even remember why I was there. Um, but I never forget that space and how amazing everyone there. They just seem to operate as a team and so professional. So when we had to cancel it outside, I was that was my go-to. And so many people were like, that's not going to happen. They don't allow people to come from outside. And I was like, well, I already got it. And it was like, oh my God, the night before, the night before the event we had, it was just, you can imagine the chaos that ensued, but God, he worked it out. He was faithful. But I learned thereafter. One, it was exciting to see the parishioners from the church and, you know, other volunteers who had never tried vegan food or really had an an opportunity to learn more about it, taking the little wrappers and taking pictures and sticking them in their pocket because they were going to go look for it after the event was over. And how do I find this? And it was just so exciting to see them excited, you know, about something unique, the people in line for the the food demo samples. Um, And then to learn that this church actually has a homeless veteran shelter, that they have a food pantry where they give away food, where they do outreaches every month in the, the neighborhoods surrounding the church where they take food and they take resources for women and babies and things. And I'm like, well, Lord, I don't have to keep going by myself. I can tag team, you know, with this organization. I'm a believer. I may not be going to, you know, evangelize. Actually, I am. It's just in a different way. But, you know, what I'm saying. and so it just it just became awesome. And so now I go and New Vegan Cafe here in Richmond, Virginia has been amazing. They were a sponsor for us in um, in May uh, for our event here. And they have been a continual provider of the food for me to give to people who are coming out uh, to try vegan food. So not only are we probably feeling a need where they may have been hungry, but we're also feeling a need of nutritious food. It's soul food, but it's plant-based. And so I'm educating, I'm feeding them and letting God just use me. So it's, it's been awesome. Yeah, I love that. And I, I know in, in my own um, my own life, uh, there's there's times I want to give to food banks, but I really want to give to food banks that that are healthy or that mm-hmm. you know are are plant based. That, that yes. just and it, it, it's not easy to find. So this would be no. a great place. Anybody who wants to donate can donate to the Black Vegan Experience, or do they donate to um, uh, the Committee of Consciousness? consciousness. No. Yeah, and and through okay. that we will always find channels. And what has been what was amazing, you know, before I had to come back into the classroom full time. 
We had people that would that would just walk past our fruits and vegetables because they didn't know what they were. They didn't know oh, how to cook wow. them or eat them. And guess who was there? Let me tell you all about this. And this does this and this does this. And you can cook it this way. And what else do you have? And I actually had people who did not have cook for us. I was like, well, because they were from the Middle East or they were from Brazil. And it was like, well, what do you do with yours? I was like, I'm not. We're going to say no. I'm going to pray over it. Thank God for it. Bless it. And enjoy. And so I had people that were bringing food back that they had never fixed um, or had had not had the opportunity to cook because now they had the fruits and vegetables that they really couldn't usually go get. And it was just really fun. And and of course, if they were bringing it because I asked for it, who else got the blessing? All the other volunteers. So when God gives you favor, all those people you touch receive favor too. I love that. That's wonderful. <laughs> I, this is great stories. And I love that you're going on the country. So we've got to get you to come to Chicago and Kansas City. And <laughs> That's what I want to do everywhere. I want to go to every, I will go to every U.S. state and territory. So you have to think about the Virgin Islands and Hawaii. Um, oh, so we got Puerto Rico. And I've tried Puerto Rican and Haitian, ve- I mean, um, Hawaiian vegan food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a special anointing over <laughs> <laughs> everything Hawaiian is nice, <laughs> except for the pig roast. <laughs> and oh. The <laughs> oh gosh, I just love this. Um, and I, I just, I mean, are, so you're you're going quarterly. Do you envision there being simultaneous Black vegan experiences going on all over the place quarterly? I have not, not yet. Okay. What I have learned since you know I've been able to to move around in this a little bit longer is that there are other organizations that are aligned to the same purposes as me. Not exactly the same because I feel like mine. I always want to have a faith component, even if it's just making yeah. sure we have clergy there that is going to bless the food and offer prayer. You know, to someone that may be there in need who wouldn't ordinarily go into a church. Um, so, but still there could be some collaborations where it's the, not just, you know, me, but maybe some of the Afro vegan societies, the Latin vegan societies coming together to help partner and, and do that. Yeah. Okay. Then well, we you're- might have some spontaneous first, but then I couldn't be it all in now. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> That would be, you'd have to kind of zoom in and all yeah, these different yeah. ones, <laughs> get the camera up and say, hey, Vanetta. <laughs> yeah. So well, I think that uh, I love your story. I love your inspiration. I love being around you. You are, you know, you're, you have an infectious spirit and it is because you're so God-centered and you really are firmly grounded in faith and you're just love- exuding. You're just the expression of love. So, you know, there's, this is just going to keep going and being amazingly successful. I mean, I just can't see anything but great, great things. Um, But I want to give you the last word. Is there anything else you want to share with, with who's listening? Um, I just would employ you guys one to keep me and my family in prayer um, along with everyone else that, that is a part of community of consciousness and the black vegan experience, because these are men and women who have jobs and businesses that are giving them their time to help. I can't pay a staff yet. Um, but, you know, if you are want to, to be part of this movement, support us, you know, follow our pages. Um, all of our information is there. We are 501c3. So you can write off your donations. If you have associates or friends and family that are connected to corporate America, let them know what we're doing. Um, become a part of mm-hmm. it. Volunteer. Um, you connect it's in your resources. Um, Sam is going to take it if you have too much. So you might as well give it out away in advance and just be blessed. 
love that. So we'll include all of your links on the podcast page and we'll just, uh, you know, we'll just know that out of this, this lands on, you know, there's ears to hear and that I just see that you receive an abundance of donations and just really um, anybody who's lit up about this vision, which I am, um, I want to come. I'm thinking of which one am I going to come to? <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll make sure you get a full belly. <laughs> I'll have to pick one of my daughters to come. Um, you know, well, I'll be figuring that out. So, um, but thank you, Vanetta, so much for, um, gosh, thank you for being alive. Thank you for being, you know, God's ambassador and for being an angel. I just, I just, uh, like I said, it's infectious and I'm just so excited about what you're doing and I appreciate your sharing with me today. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to being in one of your spiritual retreats too. And That'll be a blast. Uh, God will retire me from this job when it's in his timing. Until then, yeah. I keep sharing with all the young people and the teachers, even when they don't want to smile. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got I've got some thoughts about that. So how I can get you involved. So we'll talk about that later. Yes. Um, okay. So thank you, Vanetta. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.